In the final part of Valerio Romano's appearance on In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, host agreements are the first subject and why they became under the scrutiny of the Cannabis Control Commission and the Boston Globe Spotlight Team. Plus, they touch upon the social equity dream as opposed to the reality. Don't look now, but it's a whole new world of weed out there. Pot is flower, it's Bruce Banner and Blue Dream. You've got bongs and dabs, resin and shatter, vaping and edibles, new terms, new strains, and new ways to use cannabis sativa, the plant. Some just made with CBD, and hemp has minimal THC. There's sativa and indica strains, and 100 chemicals, all legal in 10 states for adult use. There's a lot to get to know. Get used to it, folks, because it's legal in the Bay State and it's not going away. Neither is In the Weeds with Jimmy Young next. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. Yeah, but anyway, so they they were these things were in, zoned in industrial parks, and um, another use that might go into industrial park, one that fits, is say an engineering manufacturing firm. Let's say I make ductwork for airports. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a tax incentive for my host community, but if I'm opening a cannabis business, I got to pay them three points or more off the top, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And and this was this was you know this was sort of the standard. And Mayor Coke and I negotiated that, and you know, and that's what most people picked up. If you see any host community agreement anywhere in the Commonwealth, it's it's one that it's it's a version that I originally wrote for the most part. Yeah. Um, then when we would, after question four, when the Mass Legislature was uh, was you know sort of rewriting it and adopting it and fiddling with it, Dave Rogers, who's the state rep out of Cambridge. Um, he would call me and we would talk about host community agreements. And so they legislated them. And so they cap at 3%. Mm-hmm. They, um, they expire after five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the money should be used uh, you know, with some nexus to the perceived to the harms of the, of the use. Now, you and I don't, probably don't think there's a lot of harms for the use, but you know, the, the host communities. And so this is, this, is, this is the legislation that went through. So it legalized what before was the graft. So now it's legislated to, that, you, that you can enter into these host community agreements. Communities don't have to have a financial component to the host community agreement, but in order to apply at the Cannabis Control Commission, you have to have executed one with the host community, and you have to get a, a, a one-page certification form saying that you did and submit that as part of your application. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that the host community agreements turning into, this was your question, mm-hmm. they're not they were not intended, and there's a lot of talk about legislative intent when you're trying to figure out what legislation does. They were not intended, and I know this because I was in the room and helped draft this stuff and then talked to Dave Rogers about it afterwards. You know, They were not intended to be a, a method of prohibiting the use. They were supposed to be a contract between the host community and the, uh, and the developer or the operator, the cannabis business owner, whatever you want to call it, as to what, you know, what thing, preferential local hiring, full transparency with law enforcement, some percentage of revenue going back to the host community, you know, working with substance abuse counseling and whatnot in the host community, traffic, parking, other things that might not go, they might not have a special permit process. All those things, that's what the host community agreement was for. It was not supposed to be a method of prohibiting these. And you see there's a case in Salem right now 
mm-hmm. where Salem had a backwards process and they gave out special permits. And actually, right. actually, that special permit that we got, we got a bunch of them in Salem. And then they sent you to the host community agreement. So you have a properly zoned property, a special permit to operate that license, that business with a state legal business, and they're going to deny you because of this legislated graft. And that's not what it was for. And hopefully... Uh, you know, so the Cannabis Control Commission has been struggling with whether they should be involved in these host community agreement, you know, in, in the business of them at all. Right. And so they've been going back and forth on that. And apparently they've asked the legislature for some more authority to do right. that. Um, I don't know how that's going to turn out. But anyway, that's that's sort of the 101 on host community agreements. And you need them in order to apply. And you're trying to create a win-win for a local town or city because yeah. there's opportunities to actually take money back. Think about it, especially in education, you know, <laughs> We need more. Uh, we certainly need to, I think, pay our teachers more and put more money into real life education. Don't get me started on it because I'll, I'll go off. And oh, on, I think on so, too. Yeah. But so but the thing is that there aren't the margins that people think, right? These cities and towns say, oh, I'm going to have a cannabis business in right. the city and town so I can ask for all the money in the world. and I can get all these things that I want. The margins aren't really there until we fix 280E, the federal prohibition and right. IRS code on deducting anything but costs of goods sold from your regular business expenses because the effective tax rate on these businesses can be can well exceed 50, 60%, right? And then, you know, you got 6.25% on local regular sales tax, another 10.75, another three points to the host community, another three points via the host community fee, you know, plus you're paying sixty percent in your effective tax rate to the to the you know to IRS state taxes. There's just no money left for the operators. So right. once two eighty gets fixed, there'll be more money for these host communities. But yes, I think the ones, particularly in this sort of progressive Puritan state that we live in, and the jurisdictions that we have, the cities and towns that are jumping on this opportunity and allowing these businesses in. Um, are making the right choice, and I think we should encourage them to do that. And despite the fact that it's ultimately what I think is legislated graft, I think they're a necessary evil, and I'm and I'm happy to give that three points to or for cultivation and processing. It should be closer to a point, point and a half on the outside, off the top. But I'm happy to give that up to the host community to be able to cite these businesses because that's just sort of the world that we live in. Yeah, um, you, you, I wrote down sold. What what. What is a sale and what is not a sale? Well, what is reported as a sale? Well, these licenses are non-transferable, right? right. And le- without the permission of the Cannabis Control Commission. And now they're starting to actually do license transfers with the entity to like brand new entities taking over the license. That's just finally starting to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but the licenses is that without- what happened with Netta? That's what may happen with Netta. I don't know if it ever went through. Netta's not one of our clients. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, so. Th- so that, that's actually transferring the license from one entity to another. Mm-hmm. And so that was, you know, just from Airmont still run, holds that license. So uh, so that's not exactly that's not what happened, you know. Um, it, and there's so much there's so much focus right now from from the Globe and, and Dan and Adams uh on you know these multi-state operators right. participating. They're in pushing that. the limits on their well on their you're supposed to only have three. And none of them have more than three. And, you know, these consult, whether it's a consulting agreement or a loan agreement or mm-hmm. a supply agreement or, you know, providing, you know, cert- like technology services, whatever it is, you know, these are all fair transactions. No, none, none of these multi-state operators are trying to or are controlling more than three. Frankly, you know, the, the Globe reporting on this, it's a very complicated issue. And, and so the Globe reporting on this hasn't been entirely accurate. They were relying on a, antiquated information that was, pro, was provided to the Department of Public Health and doesn't actually, doesn't actually sh, you know, 
correspond to what's really going on now. Mm-hmm. You know, and so n- none of these MSOs are are really controlling more than three or even really trying to because they don't want to lose the three that they have. That's a multiple state. Multi- multi-state operator, multi-state right? So n- none of them are really doing that. It's, it's just, I don't want to call it bad reporting because the Globe is like the, the best paper in the, com- in the Commonwealth. <laughs> right. it, it really is. I mean, but, but it's a very complicated issue, yeah. you know? But I, I do think, you know, on this topic, you know, social equity is a big part of this, right? Fixing the communities that have, or helping individuals and communities that have been disproportionately impacted by the war yep. on drugs, yep. right? Yep. And so if it costs me, let's say, let's say I'm opening just a, just a product manufacturing, mm-hmm. right? Just, uh, you know, so I'm, depending on what, what, uh, what extraction type I'm going to use. Let's mm-hmm. let's call it a hundred grand for extraction equipment. You mm-hmm. know, it could be less. You know, rosin press, but you're not going to make a lot. It could be a lot more. It could be three, four hundred grand. You know, yep. CO two or whatever. Right. And then I got to get a special permit. You know, from my host community. So that means I need an architect stamp or an engineer. So that's probably another thirty, forty grand to actually get my special permit. Then I need to install security, right? Because I'm going to need a vault. I'm going to need cameras. I'm going to need backup. I'm going to need you know servers. I need that stuff. Another seventy five hundred grand. So now I'm now I'm basically at two hundred two fifty. Then I got to carry my property, right? So you know, property carrying costs. You know, I don't know, a minimum of you know two thousand a month. Minimum, you know, two thousand a month. So twenty five grand a year. So I'm at two fifty two seventy five. Then I actually have to have employees. I got to pay them. You know, let's say it's only two or three people to run a small a small extraction lab and a commercial kitchen and build out your kitchen and all that. Right. You hire those people. Now I'm at you know. 350 in the first six months of operating. I haven't even bought any of the flour that I need at that four grand a pound, right. any of the trim I need at 1500 bucks a pound. So now I'm at, you know, half a million, very le- le- least to get open for product manufacturing in the Commonwealth, you know, just to be able to create some cookies with your branding on them, you mm-hmm. know, assuming that you're going to do the extraction yourself, mm-hmm. half a million bucks. So what, or, you know, God forbid if we're talking about a 5,000-square-foot grow, you know, that's a, that's a million-plus to build out easy right. all day long, right? right. Unfortunately, in this, you know, that the communities that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs, typically that cash is not there, right? Those The people in those communities that the, the social equity program is meant for aren't ones that are sitting on a million dollars in discretionary no, cash no, to open not. up one of these businesses no, or they, eight million or 10 or whatever. Or even so, or even be able to go to a bank and get a, a short loan yeah, to get it going. Well, the you banks can. would even do it. So, right. so what I'm getting at is this back goes back to the MSOs, the multi-state operator issue and the social equity and the globe. Uh, there's just like almost it's like there's this sort of hit piece on all these multi-state operators that keeps coming out of the globe. And it's like it's like there's, it's almost like there's two schools of thought. Right. Anybody with money is bad. And we have to make sure that people without money can get into this process. But there's no way they're even most people are going to even be able to pay for the security. Right. I mean, right. I don't, most people don't even have the 75 grand to build a security system out right. in cash sitting around. No right. less the half million that I talked about for one of the smallest, most efficient, cheapest type of businesses to open. So what I really think needs to happen with the, with the multi-state operators and with cash coming in, you know, we need to make sure that these aren't these transactions are fair, that no one's no one's taking advantage of you know the smaller operator that's from one of these disproportionately impacted communities. But that's but this cash that's coming in from around the country that is trying to get there. That doesn't mean they're trying to ex- have control over more than three they're trying to participate and help this business and if it's fair and everybody makes a fair makes a fair return then i think it's i think it's a good thing otherwise we're never going to get these social equity applicants through the process there's only going to be a couple of them for the next bunch of years and this is a fundamental 
excuse me, fundamental problem with the way that both the reporting is and the people who are approaching this uh, industry in Massachusetts are looking at it. It's like this, it's like, it's, it's adversarial almost between operators with cash who operate throughout the, the country and folks who have no money, who are seeking money. Uh, it doesn't have to be adversarial. And, and so I, I hope that the globe's thinking can evolve on that issue so that we can make sure that the reporting is fair and we get the money into the Commonwealth that we need to have so that we can have these social equity applicants actually get money and get open. Yeah. Well, was, you know, I went off on that tangent, that was but great. that's a really important part of this whole thing no, for no, me. And I hear you, you know? and I can hear the passion in your voice for this too. So I, I, I respect that a lot. I think it's great. Um, the big sale that happened last week with a little uh, caveat that um, it'll go through when it's federally legal between uh, acreage holdings and uh, canopy. Uh, con- you know, they, so yep. $3.4 billion, but you know, it doesn't really, you're not going to see any of this money right away. I mean, that's a huge deal, and it's all contingent on the cannabis becoming federally legal. And well, I, I think that we we feel feel pretty good about States Act going through in the next you know year yep. or so. So, um, I mean, I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to get too much more into that because of you know. Client confidentiality and, you know, all yep. the other stuff. But, you know, we feel pretty good about federal legalization. Great. All yeah. right. And, you, and it will, let me ask you a question because MJ Intel, one of the newsletters I get, predicted it won't happen until 2023. You know, I, I hadn't, I don't know where that, that came from. I don't know if they that's were, the case. They were I don't know how long ago that was. But well, I, was, I literally read it last week. Uh, they said Mexico in 2019. They picked Uruguay. Um, oh, Uruguay's big, yeah. Yeah, already, yeah. And uh, I think the next one, New Zealand, is going to be the next one. I don't know why ours would take another four years, but um, you never know. Yeah, we. I mean, we have, we have, you know, economists and policy arm and 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 uh, attorneys who are really focused and understand the federal legalization landscape and understand exactly what's going on in Washington with all of the different legislators. And I'm not that person, you mm-hmm. know. So. Yeah, but I but from me, from speaking with them, yep. I don't hear four years. I hear eighteen months. Right, eighteen months. Yeah, or less. Wow. So let's see. That's around the election. Or no, I don't even want to get into that. Let's just say. And you mentioned his name once. We usually do not allow his name to be mentioned. We call him POTUS because of that. Okay. Excuse and me. Then, you can feel free to edit it. That's how I know. I'm not going to edit. I'm only kidding. I'm only giving you a hard time just because I so enjoyed um, our conversation over the last hour. By the way, it has flew, it been an hour? Already? And it flew well, by. And yeah. I really appreciate the fact that you enlightened me on a lot of these issues. Oh, too, yeah, absolutely. Because this is one of the best things that's ever happened to me that I can bring in people and have these kinds of conversations with them. And I don't know everything, nor have I ever pretended that I know, but I think I know enough to ask good questions. Oh yeah. This has been great. I've really enjoyed myself as well. And that's what I, and that's what I kind of pride myself on. So Valerio Romano, thank you so much uh, for coming in today. I I really do on a Friday afternoon, you know, the traffic is always bad, but uh, I do appreciate you making the effort. And Steve, Thank you for pushing the buttons as usual, Mr. Helmuth. And let me just think, did somebody I know get TV Student of the Year at Curry College? Did I did I hear that earlier today? 
Congratulations, and, and, Steve. And no more deserving person as far as I'm concerned. He's already got a job at Fox 25 as a production assistant. He oh, hasn't even great. graduated college yet, right? That's great. There's going to be a bidding war for his services. He doesn't know that yet, but there's going to, he probably will need some representation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Joyce Gerber is the executive producer of this, and I really do appreciate, Valerio, again, you coming in. And we will be keeping an eye on what goes on in the world of cannabis, because as you know, it's a whole new world of weed out there. We'll see you next time on In the Weeds. In the Weeds with Jimmy Young's interview with Valerio Romano of Vicente Cedarberg. A reminder that this podcast can be found on the clnsmedia.com website, iTunes, Spotify, C-Suite, Radio Network, and the new procannabismedia.com. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. In the Weeds with Jimmy Young is a podcast produced by Pro Cannabis Media Productions. All views and opinions on this show are not to be considered medical advice in any way and are not a reflection of the opinions of management of Pro Cannabis Media or any of its affiliated marketing partners.